0: On this podcast, whatever you're dealing with, we call your this, capital T-H-I-S. Here on episode seven, Joe's this was paralysis.
1: So at 19, I'm, I'm 6'6", 260 pounds, loving life, lean back, enjoying the 75 degree day, and the boat hits the bottom of the water. Uh, I fly backwards, hit my head, break my neck at the C6 and 7 level, and life in an instant changes.
2: Welcome to This Seriously Sucks, the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. In these interview episodes, people who've been through major traumas and events that derailed their lives talk about times when they didn't want to go on and share how they did. All our guests are at least 10 years past their big this. They keep it real, pull no punches, and share what they wish they had known when they were in the middle of their this. Now, here is your host, the author of This Is Not The End, who knows what it feels like to want it to be the end, Nina Sossaman-Pogue.
0: Yes, this is the right podcast when life goes seriously wrong. I'm so glad you found us. Thanks for sharing some time here. On this podcast, we talk about the lowest moments of highly successful people, the major life events that rocked their world and how they got through them. We can all learn from their stories of resilience and today's guest is a friend and just a really good human being joe delagrave joe is a paralympian with a bronze medal who is currently training for the next olympics he's a keynote speaker who has spoken to big companies like red bull Uh, he's a husband he's dad he's a father of three ridiculously cute kids and he's just a really good person to know and i'm so thankful to know you joe thanks so much for being on the show
1: Nina, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for this chat. Um, I love what you're doing with this. No pun intended. Um, But yeah, I just absolutely love it. Um, And just excited to to have a conversation and dive in.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I like to begin with the success part of your resume sort of sets the stage with there is a way out of the darkness because at one point in your life, like many of us and maybe some of our listeners, uh, you couldn't see that bright future. So let's start there. For you, back in college, I believe it was boating with your friends, your whole life changed.
1: Yeah, so 2004, and I am just loving life. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do. Football, I was a tight end uh, for the Winona State Warriors and um, played as a true freshman, and so was able to, like, everything that I had kind of dreamed about, I wanted to play a college sport. I wanted to um, get an education. Um, I think I was the first one in my family to go to college and get an education wow. and finish, finish college, and so um, that was important for me as well, and um, that, that summer, I went back to my hometown. I'm back hanging out with my best friends that grew up in the same street, Ohio Street, Prairie Machine, Wisconsin, a little <laughs> river town of 5,000 people, right? And I'm back and I'm enjoying it. I'm working for the city in the summer and doing the city jobs as a college kid. And um, and then July 10th, 2004 rolls around where I am on the boat with my buddies, Kyle and Adam. We're best friends growing up. Kyle's driving, Adam's um, kneeboarding. And he, we're in a back slough where the water's a little calmer. So we're uh, a little easier to kneeboard. And we have this little boat, and he accidentally hits the bottom of the river. So at 19, I'm, I'm 6'6", 260 pounds, loving life, lean back, enjoying the 75 degree day, and the boat hits the bottom of the water. Uh, I fly backwards, hit my head, break my neck at the C6 and 7 level, and life in an instant changes.
2: Wow.
0: And, and that's the reason we have this discussion because I think a lot of our listeners are really right after those moments. So how long were you in the hospital? Take us through what happened after that.
1: Yeah. So I was in the hospital for three months. um, And I remember like right away, two questions um, that are just vivid with me when I'm on the boat. I wake up after blacking out for less than a minute, but I wake up and, and I'm in excruciating pain. My head's bleeding from where I hit my head um and kyle adam and i were all lifeguards growing up at the local swimming pool and so we knew not to like move necks or whatever like and i mean honestly like we never had to save anyone we just sat on the lifeguard chairs and blew our whistles and
0: when we're was, cute yeah exactly you. But but yeah, work, you had that training
1: working on our tab but thank you yeah so so they are above me and i just remember kyle and adam above me there's tears rolling down their faces and they have towels that they're holding my head with and um and and they said joe can you move your legs and i and i sent the signal like you do subconsciously to move any part of your body your brain sends the signal through your spinal cord into wherever you're you're, you're sending the signal to so like with my hands right now um you can see this nina but uh, right. audio like i'm moving, moving. my hands yeah. right and 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 i send that signal from my brain down through my spinal cord to my legs and nothing moves and I'm going, okay, like maybe it's a stinger, you know, in football, you get a stinger and maybe right. you know, my arm doesn't move for a while or whatever it would be. Um, and they said, Joe, can you feel your legs? And I reached down and I'm feeling my legs. And it was like, I was feeling someone else's legs. It was the most out of body experience I'd ever had. Uh, I joke when I'm at high schools or colleges, I'm like, touch the person next to you. And I'm like, nah. they all laugh and giggle and touch each other or whatever. But anyway, right. uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I touched, it
0: felt like that. It felt like somebody else's body.
1: It, it felt like someone else's body and I'm going, something's wrong. So I ended up going, you know, from boat to the rescue boat, to the ambulance, to the air, to the, to the air flight, to our, our closest bigger hospital. Um, and stuff starts to become a reality. You know, you go into surgery and, and you get out and the doctors are starting to talk about not walking and starting to talk about Um, Life being different and wheelchair paralysis, and all these different words are being floated around. And I'm in and out of like consciousness and got a bunch of, you know, pain medication or whatever, and trying to figure it all out. Tubes coming out of my body. And just remember at that moment, you know, at 19, and you're laying in the hospital bed and there's tubes coming out of everywhere, and you just feel trapped, like you just feel stuck. And not like even the physical part, but mentally, like what in the hell is going on? This is not my plan. I'm a man of faith. And I'm just going like, this is not the plan that I had. God, what is going on here? Um, And it's a struggle in those first couple days, weeks.
0: Yeah, I I think in my own experience, I questioned God. And then I thought, well, if this is God's plan, God's an asshole. I mean, I was just had all kinds of terrible thoughts in my head. I was so angry and so searching for something to make sense. And I think that people need to know that it's okay to feel like that. Like everybody kind of goes through this journey of questioning. Were there moments where you just thought, I just can't keep doing this. I don't, I don't have a path forward. I don't want to do this.
1: Yeah. Um, so a week before my accident and, and, this I, this verse is tattooed on my body and in my email signature. And like, it just kind of just lives life with me. Um, and I'll share this real quick, but a, a week from my accident, I had on a Dom Beebe House of Speed shirt. Um, Dom Beebe was an old Green Bay Packer, Buffalo Bills, and the Bills lost all those Super Bowls in the 90s. Uh, a great NFL player, but lived in Wisconsin and had this House of Speed camp. I never went to it. I was the slowest tight end in the world. I was a cheeseburger away from being a tackle. Like there was no way I was. Like, and, and so I had missed... Uh, I've forgotten my shirt for underneath my football pads before a game in college. And our kicker gave me this shirt as a joke. Like that, I was a freshman. So like, you know, the, the kicker making fun of you, like you're not even a football player, but I'm like, come on.
0: <laughs> Your son. And,
1: yeah, exactly. Like you kick the ball. So that's, how, that's all you do. Um, And so he gives me this shirt. Ha ha. You're slow. You need the speed shirt. And I was like, great. Okay. I'm just going to keep it then if you're going to make fun of me. Um, So I keep it. I have it on a week from accident. I'm at a basketball camp uh, working for the city. And this camp counselor goes, what is on your shirt? And I'm like, oh, Don I'll speed, blah, blah, blah. My, you know, tell him the story. He goes, no, there's a little Bible verse on there. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, that's pretty neat. A week later, I break my neck. Wow. And I'm in the hospital and I remember that verse. And then my sister, I I was like, oh man, that verse is really cool. My sisters do this like beautiful little Pinterest Etsy type of like poster board thing for my, for my hospital room wall. Nice. And I remember waking up and seeing that verse and it just pissed me off. I was Uh so mad. And I was like, trust in the Lord. no. Trusting what God has no like I'm like like listen God I'm a big rough tough football player come on like I'm you know what I mean and and like I'm living my dream like you like this is my desire my passion my like this is what I want to do it's my identity and it's gone
0: there are bad people out there do something to one of them there's that part of yeah
1: exactly like hey here's the deal I'm on the I'm on the straight and narrow there's a couple exits that I get off sure um but like trust the lord Like no like at 19 you want to know why this is happening Mm
2: -hmm. why
1: this happened to me what's the purpose behind it um and so for a long long time when i wake up that verse was just like no i cannot no 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 way um am i going to do that um but as the days turn into weeks the weeks turn into months the hospital that verse starts to become more of a reality because i can't control my circumstance i can't control this happening to me. Like I didn't choose to be paralyzed. I didn't choose to be in this wheelchair. Um, and what I talk a lot about corporately and, and, um, throughout, throughout the world with people is we don't choose our circumstance, but we do get a choice in how I react to it. Um, and so in that moment, it's like, all right, let's get in this wheelchair and figure out what life's about. Um, the one thing I didn't want to do is go down to the, the lunchroom and, and sit with a bunch of stroke patients that were 80 years old. And, um, eating their jello. Like I didn't want to hang out with them. So I ate in my room a lot and I isolated myself a little bit, but I was like, listen, I want to do this wheelchair thing, but I don't want to hang out with the senior citizens right now. Not my game here at 19 years old. It was just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was the deal. But that was, that was kind of like the, the turning point in the hospital where I realized like, this isn't going to go away and life keeps on going on. I remember the like vividly, a couple of my friends leaving the room because it happened in the summer and my friends are going back to college and my paralysis is just keeping me in the hospital. I'm like, wow, life is moving on with or without me. Um, and I get a choice in that.
0: There is that moment. And then you have to decide, am I going to jump back in and do something, you know, or, or, or stay where I am. And it's, it's like the, and you know, because you speak on it and so do I, it's those stages of grief that we, once you get to the acceptance piece, which is the hardest one to get to, once you get there though, then you can start to have some type of movement forward. Let, let's fast forward this a little bit, then you, you get out of the hospital and you go on um, and you start getting on with life. And I can't imagine like your family and friends, you had a girlfriend at the time, which I love that this one has a happy ending share with us where things went from there and, and how you got in your head in the right place to get there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you asked this question because this, like this doesn't happen with just me. You know, everyone's like, Oh, you're so strong. You're so inspirational. I listen, uh, I can be a jerk. I could be an a-hole sometimes. Um, there was times where I was really, really mad and angry at the situation, but I had people around me in my life that would speak into me. I always talk about having people that will lift you up when you need it and pull you back down when you need that as well. Like that's friends and rock solid um, relationships. And so in that hospital room, I, never, I didn't go to a major spinal cord injury rehab um, which in some ways kind of stunted my independence for a little while, but in other ways was exactly what I needed. Because every day in the hospital, I had a family member, or uh, my girlfriend at the time, April, who's my wife now, and we'll talk about in a second, or my football teammates in college, or my teammates in high school, or my friends in college, like, there was always or a coach or a teacher, like, there's always someone in my room, lifting me up when I needed it, or pulling me back down when I needed it. And I think that's so important to have a circle of friends or a circle of people that are championing you, that are cheering you on when you need it and going, Joe, hey, uh, you're getting close to this guardrail that is gonna fall off a cliff. Let's pull you back in there, buddy. Um, So like, that's so important. And April, my wife now is that person for me. She is my absolute rock. And this story is much hers as it is anyone else's um so she we're we're 18 years old when we started dating 19 at the accident um she was there every single day in the hospital um never missed a day we ended up breaking up for a little while I broke up with her for a little bit uh a little while after my accident because I was like I don't this girl is like she loves me so much and I'm not like I don't know if I like this is insane um so I was yeah I was a big idiot and broke up with her for a while and realized like wow you're let's let's go win that one back um so yeah 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 so she's seen the darkest times the best times um of our life and and now we get to you know we get to do the parenting thing with with our three three little uh three little kids there so um it's been amazing but yeah all to say like I don't know how people could get through this without a little bit of faith and a lot of love from other people around you to get through it
0: but a lot of people do try to go through these things alone. And you really do need a someone, even if it's just one person that you can say all the crazy that's in your head out loud to and have them tell you what's reality based and what's not and help you move forward. I mean, you need somebody who can have your back. And so I really encourage people to find a one yeah. person. It's great to have a whole village if you can have it. But yeah, that and, and I'm sure you got some counseling and thing along, along the way too, to to help you get to where you are.
1: Oh, absolutely. I had some good food therapy, uh, that I use, <laughs> <You mentioned> that. <laughs> uh, some good, some good, some people do retail therapy. I did, I did food therapy. Um, so before I went into being an athlete an elite athlete again, uh, I was an elite eater and ballooned <laughs> up and, so, but no, I, I was able to get some, get some good counseling and some good, some good support that way as well. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Talk, let's talk a little bit about your becoming an elite athlete again, because you're in the Paralympics. you the your team captain this year for the wheelchair rugby, but you were in the Olympics in 2012. Um, now you're here chaining for 2020, which has become 2021. And you actually had another setback in between in 2016 when you didn't make the team. So even when you could keep getting ahead, life still will throw things at you. So talk to me a little bit about your athletic journey.
1: Yes, yes. I'm glad you brought up 2016 uh, for a long time. For a while, I did not like to talk about it. It was one of those things that uh, that was just like, oh, I'm a failure. But anyway, so 2012 happens. That was like the whole goal. Um, I ended up kind of like a, a quick elevator story on the athletic careers. I ended up finding adaptive sports based on the necessity I needed to work out. Like I was getting so big. Like 285 pounds was my highest. Um, I was back down to like 220, 230, uh, leaving the hospital due to not, you know, muscle mass, losing all that good stuff. But Um, And then when I left, I just, I just ate um, like I did as a football player and ate a lot of feelings and and got big. And my buddy, again, that support system, when you need it said, Hey man, like you should probably start working out or, or find something, or can you do something? Cause I just, I was back in uh, my house with my parents, which is every 19 year old kid's dream is (sighs) back in with mom and dad. Let's go. No, it's not. Of course not. I, 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 and from the parents side, now that I'm a parent, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure parents are like, no, I don't want you to move back in. I'm like, if you have to, you have to, whatever. But
0: I have three at anyway. college. Yeah, they're not welcome back. <laughs> I love them so much, but uh, yeah. No B, no B. A
1: quick PSA <laughs> from Nina. Yeah, you're not coming back. Uh, so I'm back and I found wheelchair rugby. I found it online. I, I always joke, like I, I'm finding different sports. I'm typing in adaptive sports and I saw wheelchair racing and I'm like, ugh, I didn't like to run as an able-bodied athlete. I definitely don't <laughs> want to push around in a track. Uh, that sounds terrible. And, and then found the wheelchair rugby deal where there's crippled people chasing each other and smashing into each other. And I'm like, this is an oxymoron. Like these people are insane. Let's sign up for this bad boy. That's so yeah, um, Yeah. 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 So jumped into that. Started playing, realized it was a Paralympic sport. And what wheelchair rugby did for me is taught me how to start setting goals, taught me how to start um, becoming disciplined, finding that heart, hustle, and hunger again as an athlete. Um, And so just started setting goals. I wanted to get invited to a team camp. Uh, for the national team and, and, and was able to do that. And then I wanted to make the team and was able to do that. And so, and, and, and had a couple setbacks with getting cut in 2010 and then ended up making the team again because someone retired. But then 2012 comes along, we win. Um, we go to the Paralympics, win a bronze medal, uh, which was devastating at the time. It was, it was um, devastating because wheelchair rugby in the U.S. have been ranked number one from 2005 all the way to 2012.
0: Oh, I
1: didn't was, realize that uh, run. Yeah. So six, won world championships. 08 gold medal at the Beijing Paralympics. Um, 2010. I was part of that world championship gold medal team 2012. It's like, we're going to win it because we, we had the same exact team as we had in 2010 um, uh, the dream team. And then we get to the Paralympics. It's an anti-Disney movie against Canada, Canada, U S rivalry <laughs> is always huge. Yeah. Um, we ended up, we were down by eight in the first quarter and our, and our, our scores go by one point a score. So down by eight is literally like we crapped our pants. Like there is manure all over the court. Uh, We sucked in every single way. And then we start fighting back. We fight back, we fight back. And it is like, oh man, Chariots of Fire music's coming. Uh, You can hear it. Music, let's go. And then boom, we turn the ball over, 50 seconds left, Canada goes and scores. We lose the game, ended up beating Japan for the bronze medal, but it was devastating. next year i become a captain and i became tunnel visioned on gold medals i was like if we win gold in rio that will validate everything validate me as a leader and i took it to the next level i validate me as an athlete as a husband as a father like i attached all of my value and all of my worth to a medal i mean you can see a couple of medals that uh, hanging on my wall like these medals we're like, I need, I, I need it. This is what I need, and it's, it's going to be what validates my entire career. It's going to validate me from breaking my neck. Like maybe there's my purpose.
0: I fill some hole that you're, that's inside yeah, you. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like there's
1: this perfect metal shaped hole in, yes. in my heart that needs to be. This is the and,
0: answer.
1: And I end up not making the team in, two, in 2016. There's some stuff that went on with the coach. Um, I absolutely think I should have made the team, but I didn't they didn't select me. Um, it was absolutely devastating because I attached that value and the worth that affirmation for me and every facet of my life to that medal, And I didn't even get, I, we didn't even get to go. And so I remember watching the game with my wife. Um, and it was like a back and forth of like, are we cheering hard for these guys that I've just worked out with for the last seven years? Or am I like pissed off? And it's a both, it was both. Yeah. Um, and, That lesson, I I equate it to breaking my neck. It was it was literally the darkest one of the darkest moments because, oh, I just felt like such a failure, such a failure as a husband and a father, uh, as a leader, as an athlete, and going through that. And I always say, you know, pivot's a big buzzword right now with the pandemic and everyone's pivoting to anything else. And, and I always say like, don't don't forget to pause before you pivot. Don't forget to reflect. Don't forget to understand the feelings that you're having. And so in, in having that pause and reflecting on that and going like, do I want to come back to this? Do I want to continue to play? And I go, you know what, even though I don't like fully agree with that decision they made, I can look in the mirror. I could take some personal responsibility and go, you know, I can be a better leader. I can serve my teammates. I can build up men and women in our program to be better men and women. And for me, I can. I understand that my value and worth is not tied to a medal. Like it's so silly to even think that. But I think a lot of athletes do because their identity is wrapped up in winning or losing. And we let our scoreboard um, or our selection to a team dictate who we are as a person, which they're like, th- that that's monkey math, that doesn't add up. Um, and so it was a huge, huge lesson for me. And I'm so thankful that I went through it. And I know the last four years, now five years heading into Tokyo, um, we're a better program because of it. And I know I'm a better leader because of it. And so we want to go and win gold. Let's not sugarcoat that bad boy, but right. we um, are going to do it the right way. And, and I think we've built up uh, a great program in the last four or five years.
0: That's fantastic, and you're you're right. Uh, the moments when you're really dark, it seems like you get through something as tough as you went through, and it, this wouldn't be a big deal, but it is. And it, and we do having been an athlete and being on the U.S. team and not making the Olympics. I, I get that. I thought my life was over. I thought it. I'd wasted all. I'd wasted all my life. I'd wasted all this time because I'd put everything into it. Uh, so there's that whole. I should have been doing a million other things if I wasn't going to be in the Olympics. So and the reality is the the person you are, the lessons you learn, the journey you're on. That's the journey. Is that is yes. the thing? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know that's not, I didn't realize it was not one of your favorite things to talk about, but I know.
1: No, agree. no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's needed. It's needed. Yeah.
0: Well, and you just keep doing more, you know, you, you're doing big, you're speaking now doing big keynotes for people like, you know, Red Bull, uh, two-time athlete of the year now, 13 years now on the national team and the captain, I mean, you keep <laughs> leveling up and doing more. So it's really exciting to, to hear your story and hear what you've gone through. Um, I want to jump into my final three questions. Can we do that?
1: Let's do it. Let's all do right. it. Let's rock it. out.
0: So we end up, we end this podcast every time with these three questions, and for all of our guests, and I think for our folks who are listening, uh, this is really the the takeaway for them. So, first, if you were able to go back in time, which in my book I always talk about, there's no <laughs> time machine. You don't have the time stone from the Avengers. There's no hot tub time machine. You you, you really can't. But if magically you could. Um, and you could go back and talk to your younger self. What would you tell your younger self?
1: Mm, I love this question. Hot tub time. I like, <laughs> hot tub time. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, hot tub sounds so good right now. I just got out go of camp. My that's cool. true. You just came. Uh, you just yeah. came
0: straight from camp. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time. No,
1: um, so I always talk about this during my, during my keynote, um, and I think it's it, it's powerful. Because at 19, I had this question swirling around my head. Um, when I'm laying in my hospital bed and I got the tubes coming out, I feel trapped. Um, my legs aren't moving. My arm's not moving. It is, you know, the, the time in my life where I'm going, like, is this, like, can I just exit this? This is this awful. And then the questions start swirling in my head about, am I going to be able to find Passion and purpose in life. Is this girl that I'm with going to leave me? Am I going to be able to have kids? I remember my mom coming in to the doctor after the doctor said I'm not going to walk again, and she's like, um, "Doctor, is he going to be able to have sex again?" And I'm like, "Mom, would you get the hell out of my room?" <laughs> like this. Like, uh, it, it was. It was like. Oh, but these real questions, right? These real questions, are like, am I going to be able to have a fulfilling life in all areas? And I would go back and tell myself. Learn how to put your socks on, learn how to put your shoes on, learn how to put your pants and your boxers and your shirt on and start um, getting in that wheelchair and finding the opportunities within the circumstance that you don't want. If you just simply choose to start getting up, it started for me, it started with socks. I had, I'd have learned how to put my socks and shoes on and might and dress myself. And then I could go out and find opportunities. If I just go out and start doing something, go out and go back to college and get a degree, go out and start playing a sport, go out and start speaking and sharing my message. But it just started, put on the shoes, put on, put on my clothes, learn how to be independent. Um, and I tell myself, you know what, like what you're dreaming about right now in 2009 or in, uh, at 19 years old in 2004, it's, you're like, you move forward almost 17 years later and what you have there is you can't dream it up being traveling around the world playing this made-up sport called murder ball and married to your high school sweetheart with three beautiful babies um and getting to speak into people's lives with passion and with purpose um I don't think my 19 year old self would even fathom that all from choosing to be a victor all from choosing to say you know what i'm going to get dressed and i'm going to jump in this wheelchair and figure out what life's about
0: that is excellent thanks so much for sharing even the part about your mother coming (laughs) you're killing me here all right next question uh one thing that you know now that you wish you knew then and you talked about a few of them but is there one thing in particular that you you know now that you just wish you knew then?
1: One thing I knew, I know now that I, would. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think for, again, I guess for me, it's, it's this yin and yang of like being able-bodied and not able-bodied and um, living life in a wheelchair is not that difficult. There's a lot of obstacles and a lot of different things and you gotta figure out like the accessibility of everything, but like this wheelchair deal is not that difficult. Um, again, it's just the attitude you're choosing. Um, I'm all about choices and personal responsibility. So like, just choose to jump in that wheelchair. Um, It it seems daunting at the time when they're like, hey, you're gonna have to stick a catheter uh, inside yourself to go to the bathroom for the rest of your life. And I'm just going, I I keep it real. You know that Nina, I keep it 100%. And I'm going like, I don't wanna do that the rest of my life. I don't even think about it anymore. Like there's no big, it's not a big deal. Um, and so, just getting over that, and and just being real, real, and honest, and and authentic with yourself.
0: Yeah, I remember when when we first met at a, a speaker event, uh, and we all went to dinner afterwards. And it was you just jump in with everybody, and and I was thinking to myself, at some point, this had to be a decision that you made to just be this comfortable, you know, jumping in and going out. And you were absolutely comfortable and Lanky held the door for me <laughs> instead of me holding the door for you. And I thought, what is wrong with this picture? That
1: well, that is that is it might be my favorite thing to do to people. I like <laughs> I like making people feel uncomfortable kind of sometimes. Where you know, like I, I, I use a lot of humor and just like joke a lot around about like, you know, I say crippled and people are like, oh is that, know,
0: <laughs> that's, right. that's
1: not right. Oh that's no, not <laughs> right. And I'm like uh whatever and uh and holding the door is one of those things. Holding the door <laughs> for a person in a wheelchair is literally you can make like a tiktok video and, and and have a million thousand hundred whatever views because when someone hope opens the door for a person in a wheelchair they don't open it and then get out of the way they open it and then they're, they're like standing with oh, the door holding it and they're like here just just roll through my body and it's like it's not gonna and then and then they're like hold the door open and then you have to limbo underneath their arm and it's super yeah. odd like their body and just like I can open the door myself so my favorite thing to do Nina and and I want to be like Shivery's not dead I want to hold the door open for women but I also just like to hold the door open because people feel very awkward they're like I don't need this and I'm like either do <laughs> I bucko <Yeah>. let's <laughs> so
0: that's my fact, hold the yeah.
1: door story yeah okay.
0: yeah oh that's so fun that's so fun. All right. Last one. Um, one thing that our listeners can do today to help them help them get through their own this. So a lot of people who listen to this are in the middle of the shit now, like they're in the bad place. They're yes. in that dark space. What is one thing our listeners can do today to help them get through their own big this that they're dealing with?
1: Yeah, their big. This man, um, everyone has, like you said, their shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. has their manure pile. Everyone has what I call their circumstance or their wheelchair. That one thing. Maybe it's a couple things. Some of us have had a couple things. Some of those, like, listen, Nina and Joe, <laughs> that's cute that you had one thing, or but like, um, you know, well, and Mike, a lot. We have a lot, yeah, yeah, we, we all have a, we have a bucket full of them, right? And um, and in that moment, you 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 pause and you reflect and you realize. Like life's not over, and then the power of personal responsibility. I think way too often we play the blame game. Like this happened to me because of my parents. This happened to me because of my sibling. This happened because of a relationship. This happened to me because uh, I'm not financially well off enough, or whatever. Like there's always there's always different nuggets you can point the finger at and blame it. What I call the victim card, yeah. or you choose to be a victor. You choose to say, you know what? I have personal responsibility here. I could I. I have a choice to get up. I have a choice. I have a choice. Um, and in that moment, you realize that that big manure pile, like flowers need that fertilization to be able to grow and bloom and become something beautiful. You need that manure. That something in your life will help you grow and to become your true self and find your true purpose in life. I truly believe it. It's happened for me. It'll happen for you. This is not the end, right, Nina?
0: That is is exactly correct. Thank you. For for the listeners who don't know, that is the name of the book that I wrote. Yeah, this is not the end. I couldn't sum it up better than you did just then. It's fantastic. And I can picture a small, beautiful flower coming out of a giant, hot pile of (laughs) (laughs) crap. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that visual. We <laughs> will end on that. And uh, just thanks so much for sharing some time with us. I'm sure there are some things that you said that really resonated with our listeners. How can they follow you, support you, get in touch with you?
1: Hey, well, over on Instagram, my DMs are always open, J Delagrave 14 um, Check out my website, Um, If you heard anything that is valuable and you want to book me as a speaker, yeah, that's where you can find me on the World Wide Web
0: on the world wide web well thanks (laughs) thanks so much Joe. this has been fun Uh, and thanks everyone for listening uh it is when we talk about the really tough stuff that we all get stronger so whatever you are going through you've got this the you 10 years from now or in in joe's case the you 15 17 years from now that you need you right now to get through this that you 10 15 years from now is counting on you to get through this
2: This has been another episode of This Seriously Sucks. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Nina Sossaman pogue and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org.
0: For more resources or to share your story or to get a free copy of my book, go to mythis.club. There is a whole club of folks out there who want to help you get through this.